My dear friends in Christ, the basis for the sermon today is uh, from James chapter 1. And Emma, if you don't mind, we're going to read through these slides. You follow along and then we'll, we'll get our opportunity to meditate on these words. A couple of verses from James chapter 1, starting at verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This too is the word of our Lord. It strikes me that as thankful as I may be right here, right now, or maybe as many parts of my heart or mind still need to be touched with thankfulness and still need to work at it. As thankful as I may be, it doesn't count for you. I could be jumping out of my boots for joy, but God still wants you to do the same. It just struck me how we can all go through so many different things we can all have our plate, so to speak, our cup from our Heavenly Father given to us to drink in life. And you have to drink yours. And I drink mine. And if I drink it and give thanks, that's wonderful and it's a work of God in my heart. But you still drink yours. And God still looks at each and every one of us individually and says, be thankful. You could, you could be thankful. There's something of the meaning behind God's word and the purpose of God's word that would put the joy in your life and the thanksgiving on your lips and praise on your tongue. Just knowing his name, just knowing who he is, that would make all the difference. But it strikes me that we are across the globe going through something and have been through a something for a long time now. And it has had its own ripple effect. I guess you could say its own angles and impact of what that has meant in your life and in the people around you. There's something of a um, pain tolerance and a threshold, like the bar, that's like, okay, like my new norm has been living here. And then these other things that are like the normal pains from before keep happening on top of that, right? And I think it just brings to my mind the necessity of us being able to assess properly the circumstances of our life, the hard things that come our way so we can put it in its place. We can keep it where it belongs. And there is a place where it belongs. And there is a place that it, that it has. And that place is in God's hands. 
and it's not in ours. There is a way that, the script, that Scripture from God, that the Word of God and by His Spirit, that it would be on an attack mode for the way you would process all these events and things that continue in my life. Basically, aiming to touch all the unthankful parts. All of them. Every last one. Do you know how the book of James begins? Do you know how the chapters start? Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure, you know, you think it's like burning something off that is like um, imperfect, imperfect and imperfection. You, you burn off the uh, unqualified aspects of gold, the impurities, you get rid of it so that it's pure gold. Consider it something pure. When you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. <laughs> This is, this is where chapter 1 starts. <laughs> and I love it, and we need it, because it plants us in all of our circumstances and trials, and it says, I get it. You have a cup, and 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 we have a different cups, but we all also share the fact that we have cups. And Christianity is not cupless. And just as a heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, so a heavenly father knows that you and avoiding the cup is not the way to go. You and facing a given trial can be a wonderful blessing. The trial isn't the problem. There may have been, there are, there is a curse in this world and there's consequences of the curse of because of sin, right? There are consequences that even God had put in and the thistles and the thorns. Well, who, who, who made those, right? God did. He made this a place where there was going to be a threshold people are going to have to live with. They're going to have to get used to diseases and storms and hard things. But that doesn't mean that the purpose behind each and every one of those has to be bad. It doesn't mean that the intention behind all of those has to be, I am God and I'm now figuring out ways to hurt you. So your life isn't cupless, is it? Nope. You've got something given you to drink. You have a, a fresh new day of possibly even unthankful things that are on your plate. Yours. Not mine. Not someone else's. Yours to deal with. And God said, it's okay. Consider it pure joy. James, you better tell me something more because I don't know where you got to that spot Consider it pure joy when you face trials. You know where James goes next. After he deals with the reality of trials in our life, he starts to get into the real problem. And he says, you know what you can't let happen? Doubt. 
trials that come in your life are going to cause you to doubt? Is it because God is wanting you to doubt? Is it because God is hoping that you are just caught in a snare of temptation and that you would fall into sin? Does God want some sort of negative outcome in all of this? No, he says, you cannot say God is tempting me. When you're tempted, the trials come and it is an hour of temptation. But when you're tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God put a stone in my path because he wants me to stub my toe. God wants me to feel this. He wants me to hurt. He wants me to mess this up. God is just there waiting with a big old club or a big old axe to chop down this tree and wag his holy finger in my face and say, see, you're not like me and finally put me in my place that way. This is God's intention for me. God must be tempting me. All these thoughts, all these hesitations and doubts about the character of God, James jumps in and he says, when you have trials, consider it pure joy. And you know what you don't do? You don't doubt your God. You don't look him back in the eye with some sort of like, "Mm, I don't know if I get you anymore. Some sort of hesitation. He says, such a person, such a person shouldn't expect to get anything from God because you've already given it up. You've already, you're now going to live in a faithless and more fickle world. It's, you're unstable in everything you do when you're wondering if that lightning bolt is really meant to harm me. You can't live that way. Christianity can't exist that way. You're going to have your cup and you're going to be tempted by it. It's going to bait you like a trap. Mm, doubt your God. Oh, isn't, this the, isn't this the devil's game? Did God really say, don't? What a nasty character of a God. Who does he think he is that he's just going to build walls around your precious Garden of Eden and say, don't eat from that tree? He's a God of don'ts. Doubt. Just planting the seeds of doubt, you'd be unstable in anything you did under heaven. Doubt. What we have next in what we read was the about face. After finishing the encouragement to refuse to say God is tempting me, And instead to understand the source of that temptation is my own weak, sinful nature. That's where it comes from. And it's, today's its day to die. Today's its day to die. And then James does the about face. And he says, don't be deceived. So he just takes everything. You've got trials and you have temptation in that trial and you want to say, God, you! And he cut you off. He said, don't go there. Don't be deceived. It's a full 180 degree turn. This is how you see it. You have to leave everything else, all of the thoughts, All other ways is just snares and traps for your little soul. James isn't going to do this for you, but he certainly knows how to help you. The word of God and the spirit gives you an about face and says, brothers and sisters, every good giving 
and every perfect gift is from above. That's how it works. Every, every time, every day, every person, everywhere, every. Turn your back on the temptation and the trap and your hardship. Every good giving. It's interesting that the translation has it like every good and perfect gift. Do you recognize that? Every good and perfect gift. And you say gift once. But there's two words in the Greek. And I, don't, I guess I, this is the way it seems. Every good act of giving. And then, so every, wh- what do we say the other day? Like pushing, when God pushes the bag across the table. Like this is for you. When God extends the cup. Every, every good act of giving, any time somebody extends their arms or something is extended to you, any time this act of giving is good and everything that is then given in that act, every outcome and result, everything brought to you the perfect, is a perfect gift. Coming down and this is where it's like becomes like this waterfall moment where you just you just see this flow. You just understand this constant and say you live in the present because this is present. It's present tense. It's coming down from the Father. It's coming down from the Father. Every time it's good giving and every time the gift is perfect, every last one of those is beautiful. Just a waterfall coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. This is a really weird passage. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. You don't have descriptions of God that go there all the time, do you? But it's, it is really unique, and it's something to, to totally treasure. That coming down from the Father of lights, well, it seems to be a reference to like the sun and the moon and the stars. That when you think of your heavenly Father, we would position him in the right place, as above and over every, every rotation, right, around the sun, every turn of the earth, every, every way that the, the moon rises and sets for us, the sun rises and sets, and up above all of that goings on under, under heaven is my Father. He's over all of it. He is the father of the waterfall that gave those things too. The sun and the moon and the stars. And I can look at my feet and a full moon and I can see a shadow next to me. And I can see the sun's passing and I see shadows that pass by the movement of the sun. Even these great beings up over my head, sun, moon, and stars, they move. Right? take your time-lapse picture of the stars and watch them move. They move. They shift. But the father of those things is different. You had a new year and you're going to have another one, Lord willing, and another one, Lord willing, or a new month or a new week or a new day, shifting, changing, a new age. A new day, new, new circumstances, a, a fresh cup, the shifting of the shadows. It's the shifting of the shadows. But there is one still point in the middle of it. 
your father. With all of his good giving and perfect gifts, your father. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of the heavenly lights coming down from him. He does not change. He does not change like shifting shadows. And now that we have cemented God in an unchanging position, the one fixed thing of all time and space, now it's time to talk about him. It's his character. Where is God cemented? From where will God never move? What is his immovable position? An unchanging place. He wanted you. That's what James says first. He wanted you. He chose us. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Everything God sees in his position, all things that are under him and they all are under him, of all of those things, he chose to give you birth through the word of truth. He chose you. He chose you, that you would be kind of first fruits. You would be his choice possession. This is what he said to the Israelites. And really, through the Israelites was all nations, right? Because he was going to make Abraham into a blessing for all nations. He's, I choose you. I choose you. This is my grace, Abraham. I'm plucking you out. <laughs> not because you're rich. Not because you're wise. Not because you're more numerous. Not because you're the strongest. But just by my grace and mercy, I choose you. And I give you birth through the word of truth. This is my wanting. This is my fixed position. That you would be the choice for all eternity the first fruits of all the things I created. So I send my son. And when you see him in a manger, he doesn't look like a donkey or an ox or a fish or a bird or a plant, like an apple, a vegetable, or a rock or a mountain. You don't look, you look into a manger bed and you see 10 hands, 10 fingers, and 10 toes. And you see flesh and blood as you see you have. I chose to give you birth of all the created things that suffer the consequences of sin. I chose you. Jesus talks about the last day, last week, Christ the King Sunday, when he comes in all his glory. And who does he take to his precious side? What does he rush, rush to say this about? The crown of his creation is you. He chose you. This is our comfort and our joy, dear friends, that Jesus would say on the last day, come and take your inheritance. I prepared a kingdom for you. And he's not talking to a blueberry plant. He's not talking to a pile of rocks somewhere. He's not talking to a herd out in the field. He's talking to you. His choice. His best. The apple of his eye. And it's his immovable position. So walk through the chapter. Every day, you're going to do this. 
thorns and thistles in this world, trouble in the cup. It's not perfect, but it is blessed. I can consider this pure joy, facing this, drinking this, going there, doing that, only because my father hasn't moved. I'm going to turn my back on doubt and temptation. I'm going to turn my back on worry and fear because I'm looking one direction, and I am under his waterfall of every good giving and every perfect gift. This is all he knows. It's all he thinks. It's all he says. And it's all he does. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Thank you.